Buenos dias, Iglesia. Good morning, church. How are you today? Are you awake yet? I am. I am so excited to be with you today. My name is Adam, and I am one of the pastors here at First Christian, and I am looking forward to finishing out our series today, Love Like Jesus. But before we get there, I thought it'd be cool to share a couple of stories with you that I've got to hear or experience this week about the generosity of this community, this First Christian Church community. So the first story I wanted to share with you, the first thing I want to let you know about is because of the generosity of this community, here at First Christian, we were able to send 17 grad students, area ministers, and staff members from First Christian Church to a conference called the Exponential Conference in Orlando. And this is a, like one of the largest gatherings of church planters and disciple makers in the world. And it was an awesome week, and I'm so excited to see the fruit that's going to come from um, our time at Exponential. But we couldn't do that without the generosity of this community. So thank you so much for that. And I'm really excited about this next thing that I'm the one to get to share this with you. Um, and it's an update about our um, Love Month food drive. So every year, we raise as a church, we give as a church about a thousand pounds of food. Now that's a ton of food. But this year, because of your awesome generosity, this community gave 5,416 pounds of food. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That is awesome. I'm told that that's enough for about 4,500 uh, 500 meals for people in our community. That is so crazy awesome. And I'm telling you, that's life-altering community transforming generosity and that's what can happen when we love like Jesus that's the kind of thing this series is all about see when we choose to follow Jesus we begin the process of trying to become more like Jesus throughout this series we've been looking at some key ways we can learn to love like Jesus because if we're going to live like Jesus we can't separate that from loving like Jesus and last week Ethan talked to us about loving the nations and he reminded us and kind of warned us of the dangers of an us versus them mentality. And he reminded us and he kind of put in perspective for us that anytime God names an us in the Bible, that us is always for them. It's always for people who are different than us. And I don't know about you, but this series has really challenged me in some powerful, awesome ways. Um, when my friend JD talked to us about um, loving around the table, he challenged me a few weeks ago, ago to rethink how I approach meals. Because I don't know what mealtime looks like for you, but at least definitely lunchtime, I'm flying through Taco Bell on the way to somewhere else, and I'm just eating all kinds of junk, and I'm eating it by myself. So both of those things are bad. I'm eating junk food, and I'm eating it by myself. And I'm missing out on all kinds of opportunities to connect with people in meaningful ways. And I've, always, I've also been challenged through the series to think about how I love my neighbors. Because sure, I'm friendly with my neighbors when I see them. You know, I ask how things are going. I comment on their lawn, right? Those kinds of things. Uh, but if I'm honest with you, most days I go home, I pull into the garage, I close my garage door, and I never interact with my neighbors, but Jesus invites us into a different community than that. 
And this series has been really challenging me. I hope it's challenged you. If this is your first week with us or you've missed part of this series, I encourage you to go back and check it out. You can find the podcast on our website. You can check out YouTube. You can check out Facebook. All of it is there. Don't miss out on this awesome series. And today, I get the opportunity to wrap up this series, Love Like Jesus. And I get to do that by looking at the thing that binds all of this other stuff together. The thing we're talking about today makes all the things we've talked about in the series possible. This is the thing that gives us vision and the strength to love our neighbors, our enemies, and the larger world. In fact, Jesus says this is the number one commandment on a very short list of commandments. So today we're going to be starting by looking at a passage in Mark chapter 12. Mark is the second book in the New Testament, if you want to turn there. And uh, just to set this story up for you, Jesus has arrived on the scene in Jerusalem in epic fashion. He comes riding in the city, into the city, and he's met with all kinds of celebration. People are excited and they're expectant for what he's going to do. And as he gets there, he starts teaching. He starts teaching in all kinds of contexts, and people uh, will come up to him, and they're dialoguing with him, and um, they're asking questions, and some of them are doing it because they know he's a powerful and mighty teacher, unlike other teachers of their time. And then some of them are listening to him because they're trying to poke holes in his argument. But either way, um, this, we get this story, and we'll put it up on the screen. We'll get this story in the midst of that conversation. Mark chapter 12 says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, I'm going to stop right here for just a second. When I teach this to middle school students, I work with middle school students here at First Christian, essentially what I think of when I hear the, the teacher of the law ask this question is, what's going to be on the test? Right? Do you remember asking this maybe as a kid? You want to know, a test is coming, and you want to know what's the thing that's going to be on the test, because I'm not going to worry about all the other stuff. I want to know what's on the test. I'm going to memorize what's on the test. And that's essentially what this teacher of the law is asking. Yeah, Jesus, all this stuff is great, but like, what's the thing? What's the thing? What is going to be on the test? And Jesus says this. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he goes on. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And we'll see as you, as you read the stories of Jesus and you look at the life of the early church, these two aren't separated. Loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself are never separated. And um, we'll keep going in the story. Well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, this is a humongous statement for someone to make whose entire life revolves around making burnt offerings and sacrifices. But get this, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, and this is, has been stuck in my head for years. I love what Jesus says to this guy. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of of God. And that must have been pretty good for everybody because after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. See, the, the first thing that Jesus says 
when he's asked about the most important commandment is to love God with your entire being, with every part of your life. Love God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Jesus says more more important than attending synagogue or for us church, more important than following all the rules, more important than the money and the resources you give and more than anything else you can think of. Love God, that's the first thing. This is huge when this guy affirms what Jesus says. Jesus says something that he's not recorded saying anywhere else to anyone else. You are not far from the kingdom of God. You're close. You're starting to get it. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing I want more than Jesus than for Jesus to look me in the eyes and say, you're close. You're starting to figure it out. Now you're on the right track. Keep moving in this direction and you will always be moving toward God. So if we, want to get, if we want to get close to the kingdom, Jesus says, love God. And these words aren't new with Jesus. In fact, Jesus is reminding the people of something that has been a part of their story from the very beginning. From, their time, from the time they were journeying, journeying out of slavery um, in Egypt into the promised land that God had given them. These words are given to the people to prepare them for their new lives in a place with a new mission. During one of his talks, Moses, the guy who was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, he's, he's declaring this and telling this to the entire nation of Israel. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. See, Moses knew, just like Jesus knew, that loving God was the key that would unlock and activate Israel's mission. And it was more than that. Moses goes on to say to the Israelites that their success, whether they stay in the promised land or not, their success and their life in the land would be determined by how well they love God. An entire nation's success success hinged on whether or not they loved God. And Jesus extends this teaching to help people then and to help us today See that loving God is the key to unlocking Jesus' mission. See, loving God is the secret ingredient that transforms all the things we've been talking about in this series. To put it another way, loving God is the key to loving like Jesus. Loving God is the thing that gives us the strength, that gives us the wisdom, that gives us the power to unlock love around the table to invite people into our homes and share meals with people who may be close to us but far from God. It's the key um, to unlock love for our neighbors, to share the everyday stuff of life with people in the places where we live, work, and play. It unlocks love for our enemies to engage in service and dialogue with people we disagree with. It's the key to unlocking love for the world, to reject an us versus them mentality and engage with people we consider other. Loving God is the key to loving like Jesus. But what does it look like to love God? Like we know this truth, but it can be kind of a difficult concept. See, love is a, con- a difficult concept for us to grasp even in our relationships with the people around us that we see every day, but it becomes m- more tricky and more difficult to understand when it comes to loving God because it's a little more abstract. See, this is something we know, but it's much more difficult to do. 
I mean, think about it. We at least have a vague sense that we're on the right track with loving, my, with loving friends and family because we share life together, right? We eat meals together. We work out conflict together. And we do tangible things to care for one another. And I can tell how well I'm loving my neighbor when they do or say something that I don't agree with. Uh, the list could go on, but I think you get the point. In some ways, it's easy to understand where we where we stand in our relationships with the people around us, but it's much more difficult to understand where we are in our relationship with God. It's hard to, to gauge our love for God because God doesn't need any favors for us, right? I can't take God out to coffee or out to dinner. I can't sit across the table from God. But if Jesus says, this is the thing around which everything else is focused, then we've got to get this right. So where can we turn to figure out how to love God well, to ensure that we're moving in the right direction. Because it can be difficult to nail down, but the good news is that Jesus offers us a perfect example of what it looks like to love God. And so we can look at the life and the teachings of Jesus to learn the rhythms that helped him cultivate a deep love for God. And as I reflected on these teachings of Jesus this week, uh, there were a few things that stood out to me that I think can help us grow in our love for God. You know, it's interesting to me when people heard about Jesus, when they heard about the things that he did, when they saw the signs that he performed and the things that he taught, uh, they couldn't help but be drawn to him. And scripture all the time is saying that great crowds gathered to see Jesus and to hear from Jesus. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of big audiences and miraculous signs, scripture tells us that Jesus didn't stop doing one thing. It says this in Luke chapter 5 verses 15 and 16. Yet the good news spread about him all the more so people kept hearing about him so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But in the midst of that, even with all of the people, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There are loads of examples that we can come across in the story about Jesus' life where Jesus withdraws to abide in the presence of God. Jesus does this before he makes big decisions, like before he calls the 12 apostles, he withdraws to abide in the presence of God. Before he faced really big challenges, like at the beginning of his ministry or going to the cross, he withdrew and abided in the presence of God. And after really big miracles, like feeding the 5,000, he went away, he got away by himself and took time to sit in the presence of God. Of God. See, Jesus recognized that everything he did and everything he was relied on God's presence and he capitalized on every opportunity to spend time in the presence of God. See, Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus only had roughly three years to achieve the redemption of the entire world um, and to launch a kingdom movement, yet he still found time to pause in the presence of God. And this was hard for Jesus, and it's hard for us as well. There's so many things fighting for our attention, and the noise feels like it just gets louder every day. There's work to be done. There's causes to be championed. Uh, people to talk to needs to be met. Meetings to be had. Messages to respond to. But in the middle of all of that noise, Jesus pauses. He gets away, and he abides in the presence of God. This was Jesus' source of strength and focus, and it's our source as well. And so Jesus left margin 
in his life to abide in the presence of God and to hear from God, but he didn't just hear from God. He put what he heard into practice. At a certain point in each of the gospel stories, Jesus shifts his attention toward preparing his followers for his departure. And so he spent a a good chunk of his time um, encouraging people and teaching people and healing people. And at a certain point, he realizes, okay, this is my fate. I'm getting ready to leave. And he withdraws with his closest group of people and he invests in them. And in the context of one of these moments when he's with his closest followers, he says this, I won't say much more to you. For the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. See, Jesus flips the world upside down because he did what God told him to do. See, Jesus' love for God wasn't some abstract, kind of like mushy, gushy, emotionally driven love. No, it was a deep love that prompted him and prompted his pursuit and his trust in God. Everything Jesus said and did was in response to his pursuit and trust in God. Jesus got away to abide in the presence of God, and what he received from God in those moments, he took and responded with in obedience. Now, I don't know about you, this last thing, that Jesus does. Um, Actually, kind of got me thinking in a different direction this week. Uh, I picture Jesus being so super holy and like so focused on mission that he just did everything alone. I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus that way, but I just picture Jesus being so far ahead of everyone else that he just did things on his own, but that's not true. Jesus did everything he could with other people. It wasn't like he didn't need other people. Um, It's clear from the stories that we have about Jesus that he spends his time in worship with other people. Uh, A couple couple stories, a couple glimpses into what this looks like. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So like he went back to his hometown and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So if the Son of God showed up to worship, then it must mean that worship is pretty important for us. In fact, one of the last things Jesus does, and it's recorded in the end of Mark, one of the last things Jesus does with his disciples before he goes to the cross is he sings a hymn with them at the end of communion. These are a couple of examples, but the authors of the Gospels make it clear that Jesus spent time in worship with other people. Jesus recognized the importance of joining in with a community to, cl- to declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Now, these things I've said are true, and they're things that you wouldn't, like you're not surprised to hear these things from my mouth, right? We're in the middle of a church service. Uh, but if you're anything like me, you're probably wondering why. Why? do we do these things? See, motivation is the X factor. Motivation is the thing that transforms all this stuff from a formula to follow into a faith that transforms us and transforms the world around us. See, the Bible makes it clear that there's a reason why we live to love God with our entire lives. And it's simple. We love God because God first loved us. We love God because God first loved us, not because he's some angry judge in the sky or some disapproving father figure that we're trying to please. No, we love God because God first loved 
us. We're quick to forget this truth, but this truth is all over the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were, while we were still messed up, while we were still broken, while we were still lost and wondering, Christ died for us. And we want you to hear today that God loves us and God loves you. I think that first one is a little bit easier for us sometimes. Um, it's easier for us to believe that God loves everyone than it is to believe that God loves me personally and God loves you personally. But today we want you to know that God loves you. If you struggle with pride, God loves you. If you struggle with addiction, God loves you. If you struggle with depression, God loves you. If you struggle with hate, God loves you. If you struggle with self-worth, God loves you. Whatever you're carrying with you today, whatever story you have with you today, we want you to know that God loves you. And this is where it all starts. We love because God first loved us. And so I want to encourage you, maybe this is the truth that you need to sit with this week. I'm going to turn my attention toward applying those things we just looked at in the life of Jesus, but maybe this is the thing that you need to sit with today. Maybe this is the truth that you need today, that wherever you find yourself today, God loves you. We're gonna, I'm gonna talk about some of these other things, but if those things that we're, we're talking about today from the life of Jesus, if they're not built on a foundation of the great love God has for us, they'll hurt more than they'll help, and they'll just be a list that leads us into legalism and anger. So sit with this truth of God's love for you if you need to, but we're gonna keep talking about some of these things. And so what does it look like to abide in the presence of God? Just like any other relationship in our lives, um, we've got to spend time with God to grow a love for God, right? Like you don't, you don't know someone, you don't love someone without spending time with them. And so um, we've got to spend time abiding in the presence of God. And this is hard for me, and I bet it's hard for you too. See, every, time, every morning when I wake up, I'm tempted to, to turn on my phone because I want to see what happened in the world while I was asleep. Or I keep track of things at home, like I, I go through my email to make sure I didn't miss anything at work. Honestly, it's as if I think like the zombie apocalypse happened, and uh, while I was asleep and I didn't see it on Twitter so I'm ultimately doomed like no apocalypse no zombie apocalypse for me because uh, I missed it on Twitter and I imagine you're the exact same way but maybe just a little less weird than that um, there are things that keep all of us distracted and there are things that feel urgent but in the midst of all of the things that are urgent in the midst of the things that are fighting for our attention we've got to be intentional about pausing and abiding in the presence of God to hear what God might be saying to us. And so a great place for you to start if this something isn't something that comes naturally to you, you can start with the New Testament in a Year program that we've been doing. There's this awesome app you can get on your phone called the Read Scripture app, and it walks you through this perfect process of how to learn to abide in the presence of God. Because quiet time is so important. Quiet time is definitely one of the most important things for me. So when I wake up in the morning, I fight the urge to look at my phone, to turn on the television. I don't check Instagram. I don't check Twitter. I don't check my email. I don't do anything except get a cup of coffee. 
Because let's be honest, not even God wants to talk to me before I've had my first cup of coffee. Maybe two. Just kidding. No, God loves me, right? In the middle of that struggle, God loves me. Um, But that has been so foundational for me. And that's the source of my strength. That is the thing that focuses me, that synchronizes me for the day and reminds me that my mission is to love God and to love others. But I didn't start there. It's nice for me to be on stage and say, I have this amazing quiet time every morning. But I didn't start there. I had to learn those rhythms from other people. And maybe that's the thing you need to start with today. One of the best ways to learn how to love God is to surround ourselves with people who love God. For a lot of us, we have to learn how to be with God by being with other people. And so I want to encourage you to get in a group. Find a group of people who are on the same journey as you or who are a little bit farther along than you and connect with them and learn from them. That's how I learned how to love God was by finding a group of faithful people who were just a few steps ahead of me and I just paid attention and I did the things that they did and practiced the things that they practiced and eventually over time I started to feel it. And so a practical question to ask during this time is, God, what are you saying to me when you're abiding in God's presence just say God what are you saying to me and this process doesn't just stop with hearing what God says to us no Jesus makes it clear that Jesus that God expects us to do what God tells us to do in those moments John 14:15 says if you love me you'll keep my commandments and he goes on a little bit before that he actually says very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. See, we grow in our love for God when we trust God enough to do what God is telling us to do. Because we take that step out in faith and we see God show up in a mighty way and we take another step and another step and another step and we see God come through and we see God show up in mighty ways and our trust for God grows and our love for God grows. It's in the context of obedience that our love for God grows. And so a practical question to ask in these moments of abiding is, what am I going to do with what you're saying? So we've got to abide and we've got to obey. And finally, we've got to pursue God with others in worship. And this one isn't always easy because someone came up with a really great idea to cut an hour out of your night and you wake up ready for church on Sunday morning, or wake up to get ready for church on Sunday morning, and there's no, you just want to lay in bed. I don't know if my bed ever feels any better than it does on Sunday mornings. Uh, but it is so super important to worship God and pursue God with other people. And sometimes we get here and we, it's, to find that we don't like any music choices of the day. Um, sometimes we dread coming here because of the people we'll see or the conversations we know we're going to have. Or sometimes we're just frustrated with God and with the church. And see, sometimes worship is something that we feel and sometimes we don't. But the intentional focus of, on God's goodness over time in a community changes and transforms our hearts and our minds. And so I want to encourage you to participate in worship consistently. Abide, obey, and worship. And this point is so important that we don't want to just spend time talking about worship today. We want to continue practicing it together. In just a minute, we're going to invite you to stand and join us as we we worship and declare our love for God. Uh, But before we do that, I've got one more thing I want to encourage you with in terms of worship. From today... 
if my math is correct, and often it isn't, so you can check me later and tell me. Um, if I'm, if I'm understand correctly, Easter is 42 days away from today. And so we want to encourage you, join us for Easter and invite someone along with you. Invite someone to participate in the awesome worship experience and, and into what God is going to do through Easter here at First Christian. So make sure to join us April 20th and 21st for like the awesome Easter services that we have planned for you, um, for our community. Let's pray. God, we shout for joy to you. We worship with gladness and we come before you with joyful songs. We know that you are God. You are the one who made us and we are yours. We are your people. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We give thanks to you and praise your name for you are good and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen.